Welcome to MoFo Perspectives, a podcast by Morris and Forster, where we share the perspectives of our clients, colleagues, subject matter experts, and lawyers. Welcome to MoFo's Asia Sustainability Puzzle Series. My name is Marsha Ellis. I am global co-chair of MoFo's private equity practice. More than a quarter of respondents in our survey say they have left sustainability policies unchanged because of concerns raised by principals or investment professionals. Almost as many cite the concerns of their limited partners. In this podcast, MoFo's co-chair of ESG and Sustainability Group, Susan McCormick, and securities litigator, Kristen Hill, and I will discuss the backlash against ESG in the U.S. and how it impacts Asia-headquartered GPs. Should GPs tweak their ESG policies or their implementation to ensure that they are acceptable to all LPs? Is it possible to please all LPs? So, Suze, first, could you tell us about what's going on in connection with the backlash against ESG in the U.S.? Thanks, Marcia. Happy to. So remember, ESG as a term was started to be used in 2004. It was in a UN report. It was initially tied to to shareholder value. So it was what is not on a balance sheet that is material to operations and to real economic value in companies. It then was blurred with CSR and became very broad. And because it became broad and it became such a catchphrase, It's experiencing significant backlash in the U.S. that I think is different from other markets in Asia and in Europe particularly. But just to let you know that the backlash is real and and it's here to stay. It's not going to go away. And it comes from two different sources. One is really political and the crazy politics we have right now in the United States. And that is centered a lot around DEI um, and sort of an anti-woke agenda. And that may ebb and fall depending on what happens in Washington and in state houses around, around the country. The second source of the anti-ESG is really focused on climate. And it is really very well organized and very well funded by companies that have a vested interest in traditional industries and that you know, if they are, if and when they are disrupted, will face trillions of dollars of losses. And that's the fossil fuel industry and transportation and steel and a lot of your sort of brown industries. So the it's real. It's here to stay. It comes from at the state level, state AGs and state legislation at the federal level. It comes from places like the DOJ that it's looking and investigating Um, collusion around sort of green policies. It comes from consumers and the Federal Trade Commission, and it also comes from investors. And I'd like to turn it over to Kristen Hill to talk a little bit about the pressure on on both sides that related to this from investors. Yeah, Suze, I think that's spot on. So we do see it coming from both sides, from multiple groups. And I'll break it down into the two categories that you identified that I think are spot on. So one, on the DEI front. So we see, you know, again, it coming from both sides. On the one hand, you have groups and advocacy groups advocating for more diversity on boards of directors, for example, and uh, laws that have changed to increase 
diversity on boards of directors. And then you have on the opposite side of the equation, you have people that have said that a focus on racial equity and inclusion is a violation of equal protection laws. And as you, as I'm sure your audience well knows, uh, there's been Supreme Court rulings that have called into question DEI policies and the private plaintiffs bar, including private investors, have taken the Supreme Court stance on uh, that racial preferences in college admissions can be extended into the private sector as we're thinking about uh, how employment practices and hiring practices. And so that has become a focal point of the plaintiff's bar, and they've sued, of course, private employers, but we see that as well coming up and into play on the investor front as investors are thinking, well, what do I want the company to say? And what kind of policies are do they have in place? And so again, you see it on both sides of the equation. On the one hand, more diversity. On the other hand, Your focus on diversity or your diversity policies are leading to a violation of federal law. So that's on the DEI front. I see much more of that coming. On the climate front, I think it's similar as you know, as, as Suze has said, and we've all acknowledged, ESG has come has become kind of a bad word in the investor front. And so what you see now is a lot of investors that are suing, not just investors, but also state AGs, as Sue men- Suze mentioned, and state regulators, suing for ESG focus, right? So Tennessee has brought a lawsuit against BlackRock saying that their focus on ESG is misleading and is harming consumers, right? Uh, there's SEC interest on this front as well. And so companies are faced with deciding what do I do? What's the, where do I draw the line? Do I go all in on the ESG front because it's quote unquote the right thing to do? Or am I going to face a backlash from uh, consumer groups, advocacy groups on the other end of the spectrum that are going to call into question my focus on environmental issues? So that they really, you can't do right nowadays because you're going to get, you know, you're going to get attacked on either side. So how do we see this impacting GPs that are Asia headquartered, right? So, I mean, you know, the, you know, at Asia headquartered GP is not going to be sued by the Tennessee AG, but on the other hand, they have, they may have the Tennessee state pension fund as an LP, and they certainly may have the Texas state pension fund as an LP, but on the other hand, they have California state pension fund as an, an LP too. So LPs that have very different policy with respect to ESG and what they expect the GPs they invest in to do. I think Asia GPs need to be mindful of it. They also need to be mindful of, you know, when all of this started, when everybody started talking about ESG and then making net zero and carbon neutral and DEI commitments, there wasn't regulation. And now there is a lot of regulation. Again, there's regulation in Asia proposed in Singapore and Hong Kong, but there's regulation already in place in in California and in the EU related to disclosure and particularly around climate and DEI, but the whole suite. And so you can't ignore ESG. You have to be mindful of the headwinds. You can't ignore it. You got to be able to make sure that you are gathering the data to be able to report that is required by the regulations. And again, if the regulations don't impact you directly as a fund manager, as an asset manager, Odds are 100% they're going to, you know, they're going to impact one or more of your companies because all of these regulations are extraterritorial. All of them relate to not just what a company is doing, but what all of the entities in their supply chain are doing and their value chain. And as we are, we are global, they they will be impacted. So you still got to make sure you're getting the data, and and then. I think once you get the data so you can report to your LPs or help your portfolio companies report, then the question is what you want to say publicly. 
And, you know, there's a, there's a term here called green hushing. I think, I think people do want to be careful about what they say publicly. Um, most of our clients, the U.S. and EU-based um, asset managers, are still doing exactly what they were doing before. They have not changed policy at all. And I was interested, Marcia, that the study shows the same thing in Asia. They're just changing how they're talking about it. And Kristen can probably attest that that's probably thinking before you speak and make disclosure and making sure you have the data is probably a really smart move. Yeah. So a few things that I'll just add to what Sue's just said. So you're right that U.S. regulation or even other regulations from other jurisdictions may not apply, but the court of public opinion is always there. And so I don't think that the fact that specific regulations may not be applicable to your organization does not mean that you could ignore the climate in which we are operating. And the climate in which we are operating is applying great scrutiny to all ESG type statements and issues. They're all watching. The world is watching and the world is pointing their finger and being extraordinarily harsh, I would say. And in part because, again, this issue is that it's coming from both ends of the spectrum. So I I think Susan's advice is, is spot on. Be careful what you say publicly. Be careful and be sure that whatever you're saying publicly is backed up. We like to advise our clients to apply a heightened level of scrutiny to ESG statements in particular because of the heightened scrutiny that is on those topics right now, right? Whether or not you're using the word ESG, even choosing the word environmental, climate, diversity, equity, inclusion. If you're making any type of public statements with any of those buzzwords, you better believe people are watching people are listening. And so it behooves all of us to be very, very thoughtful when we're making those types of statements publicly. Yeah. And I think that, you know, the, the complication here for Asia headquartered GPs is the one we're always talking about. They have so, if you're an asset manager in the U S yes, you have to maybe work, worry about the EU regulations impacting some of your portfolio companies, but usually what the market you're really addressing is this, the U S if you're an asset manager in Asia, you're addressing so many other markets, right? Because your LPs up until now have mainly been North American LPs. So you certainly have all of the, the, the differences and everything between and, and amongst those LPs, right? The California pension fund, the Texas pension fund. But now more and more, especially for China headquartered GPs or China focused GPs, the LPs are more and more from Singapore sovereign wealth funds or from Middle Eastern sovereign wealth funds who may have a completely different view on this than the North American um, LPs. So it becomes very difficult for them to say anything. They feel, I do think they feel constrained about saying anything. On the other hand, like if they're sitting in Hong Kong, the Hong Kong government, like on, on DEI, on this diversity, the Hong Kong government through the, the, the Equal Opportunity Commission is very positive toward diversity. And once every employer to sign up saying we're going to support a racially diverse workplace. So it does become very, very difficult to balance all of that. And I wonder whether in any way it, it becomes almost like you do silence everybody. You know, you say, okay, think before you speak, but to a certain extent, if you think too hard before you speak, there's just going to be silence. Yeah. So I think that's a really valid concern. And I think that a lot of our clients are really 
hampered in what they can say and very cautious. But I don't know that that caution is necessarily a bad thing, right? Being cautious before you speak, thinking before you, you know, my mother used to tell me, think before you speak, (laughs) Uh, you know, that's old advice and it's still good advice, right? And it applies to our clients to this day. So uh, yes, uh, you're right. It does cause pause, but being mindful of the regulations as applicable, being mindful of the, the public environment in which we are operating, those are good things. And I hope that as it makes our clients more cautious, it also keeps them out of hot water. Great. And I think that's great. And thank you very much, Suze. Thank you very much, Tristan. I really appreciate your thoughts on this. And obviously, if our clients have more questions about how they should address these issues, we're happy to get on a call with them and discuss. Thanks very much for listening to our Sustainability Puzzle podcast. We hope that you will listen to subsequent podcasts in this series and read our full report. If you have comments or questions, please contact us at esg at bofo.com. Please make sure to subscribe to the MoFo Perspectives podcast so you don't miss an episode. If you have any questions about what you heard today or would like more information on this topic, please visit mofo.com slash podcasts. Again, that's mofo, M-O-F-O dot com slash podcasts.